0: does america
1: blaze tv.com slash Stu. promo code is STU. save yourself 10 bucks send your subscription to blaze tv and i'm doing a uh, subscribers only q a tomorrow we'll give you the details on that coming up if you're watching on youtube like this video right now subscribe to the channel hit the bell for reminders all the things drop a comment below. Right now, we appreciate it. Jorge Ventura is going to join us to talk about the latest failures happening on the southern border. Joe Biden seems to have some classified document problems of his own. But we start by doing the woke progress report. We talk a lot about woke stuff here. Remember the old days when you were in school? You had that report card at the end of the quarter or the end of the year. But in the middle, sometimes you'd have that pesky progress report. And your mom would say to you, Hey, do you know how to add anything? Like, what, why are you, why, what is, why do you have a D in math? You dope. D is for dope. And that's the type of stuff that would go on for other people, not me. Of course, I was a perfect student, I was 1600 on my SCTs. Don't, don't you, know, you don't need to check that. The bottom line is you had that little progress report. And, and I think that we sometimes, I don't know, maybe, lose sight of what's actually happening because of how insane our culture is, right? Everyone hops on Twitter, you hop on social media, you watch and read the news, you look at cable news, and you see this stuff happening all the time. You see the rise of all this woke culture. You see annoying Hollywood people uh, embracing these bizarre terms and these bizarre movements. And you think to yourself, why the world is going completely insane. And I think that's why I wanted to stop and, and, and give you a little progress report today because I want to ask the question is that true? Is it true that the world has gone insane or are we just seeing certain parts of the world that maybe aren't going insane but were already insane before all of this woke nonsense popped into our lives? And I thought a really good way to look at this is not to look at some evil conservative site but instead go to the New York Times The New York Times, which I read as much as I can take every day, just so you don't have to. You need to know what's in this stupid paper, but you don't want to read it. So I go through it and try to read it and pick out all the annoying parts for you to know about. And look, this poll that they decided to, to come up with is pretty interesting. And it's interesting because it can't possibly be what they hoped would come out of this poll. They probably hoped for something totally different than this and got something that they didn't like. So kudos to them, I guess, for running the results, even if they didn't like them all that much. But what the uh, and this is the um, this is the story. It says quiz. You can't say that. Or can you? Oh, Cheeky. That's the cheeky New York Times at work. The questions basically were asking you about what words you use or you would consider using? Are you using the old-timey, bad, evil Republican words, or are you using the new woke terminology? Are you signing up to go woke? Obviously, the New York Times wants you to do that. I mean, they've, we've, we've done uh, co- coverage of this before, but all of these terms that you've seen around social media, many of them, get to prominence via the New York Times. They start putting them in stories. Then the left says, oh, this is what we're supposed to say now. And it becomes more prominent on places like MSNBC. It filters down through social media. It becomes the left-wing thing. And eventually we get to a point where half the country at least is saying this. these nonsensical terms. Uh, this is sort of the process that it goes through. So the New York Times view on this is really important. Like When they go and start using these words for the first time, it's a notable In fact, I think there's a Twitter account out there that actually uh, shows every time the New York Times uses a new word. Whenever they come out with a new word and they use it for the first time, they tweet about it because it's something that is central to maybe not your culture on an everyday basis, maybe not my culture on an everyday basis, but the culture of the people who are tastemakers in the media. So let me go through some of these because I think the results are pretty encouraging we hear a lot about catastrophes, that we're all going woke, that Disney's going woke. Everybody's going woke right now. But are the people falling for it? Because yes, these companies are going woke. Yes, there's a lot of nonsense on the left. The media is crazy. But are the average people, do people actually fall for this nonsense? Let's go through some of this. Um, first of all, there are a few terms that people don't like that much and th- that they asked about. And they, they seem to kind of want to go away. Um, here they are. Gypsy, about 44% said they still use the term gypsy. Powwow, about 34% said powwow. And spaz, which is the most popular word ever in all of rap music from the beginning of time, apparently, because everybody keeps having to change their songs because they said spaz a bunch of times. But only spaz is only 28%. Now spaz is, you know, Maybe not the nicest word in the world, but you know we're certainly not in N-word territory uh, here, it doesn't seem. But this is we're at the point now where people are changing those terms, right? Those are the ones that aren't exactly popular. But, and this one, of course, they, the New York Times has to frame it this way. They say, despite the panic on the right, few have stopped using women. Couple of terms here. Pregnant women and breastfeeding, right? Those are the terms. We all understand that Pregnant women, uh, or what we're talking about when we're talking about someone who's pregnant with a baby. And breastfeeding is, I don't know if you know this, what you do if you happen to be, uh, you happen to have a kid, and you're going to feed them uh, in that way. So breastfeeding, pregnant woman, okay? Pregnant women, 86% say they're still using that term. Breastfeeding, 85% say they're still using that term. What about birthing parent? That's what the New York Times and the woke media wants you to use. Well, only 34% say they would use that term. And chest feeding, the alternative for breastfeeding, only 10%. Uh, 10% yes, 90% say no, they would never use that term. It, it's weird, isn't it? You know, there's that whole uh, thing, and I think it's meet the parents where uh, he's trying to get himself uh, out of some situation. I can't remember the exact details. Um, and uh, he says that he's milked a cat, I think. And, and it was a De Niro in that movie. And De Niro says, uh, have you milked a cat? And he says, uh, yes. And he says, uh, you can milk anything with a nipple. Um, can you milk me? Uh, was the exchange, if I remember it broadly. But, you know, it just it doesn't it seem weird, chest feeding We all know, we know what's going on. Every American seems to know what's going on, except for about 10% of the population. That's encouraging. They've been pushing chest feeding on you like crazy. They've been pushing pregnant or birthing parent on you like crazy. Yet you, and not just you, not just conservatives, but people across the spectrum are rejecting that nonsense. Now you might say, and this is a correct worry here as we go through this stuff, you might say it's only a matter of, Of time, and to some extent, that's true. If we don't mock this stuff, if we don't push back on it, if we don't notice, if we start saying all these terms for them, eventually it will become the norm. However, we should realize that chest feeding—this is not a thing for almost all of America. Even the crazy liberals, you know, they're not doing that either. They're not saying, well, we don't want a gender reveal party because we don't believe in your gender construct. That's not really most people. And it's something important to remember. How about master bedroom? Now, again, the left has been trying to make a woke thing out of the whole master bedroom, saying, master, that." calls to mind slavery. And I I know what what you're doing when you do that. You're talking about slaves or something. Well, master bedroom, still 84% of people will say it. Primary bedroom, I guess, is the alternative. 49% say they would say that, so less than half. Again, people are rejecting the woke term. And I would even say in this particular case, while everyone pretty much is on board with master bedroom, Primary bedroom doesn't necessarily strike me as a hugely woke term. I mean, you could use that interchangeably, honestly, in my mind, but still only about half of people will use it. How about global south? You ever hear the phrase global south before? I honestly didn't even know what they meant by global south what do you mean global south? I mean, that was too woke for even me who has to watch this nonsense every single day. Well, you used to say third world country. You used to say developing country. You used to say low income uh, country. And now you're supposed to say global south? Like what happens if there's a poor country in the north? doesn't make any sense at all. These terms are dumb. Global south, only 15% of people will even say it. I'm surprised it's even that high, honestly. What's the most popular way to say that? Third world. 73%, 73% will still say third world developing nation, 60% low income nation, 33%, which again, is just a, I don't think low income is bad either. It's just a descriptive factor, right? But developing is a little bit nicer, I guess, than third world. But honestly, people don't care. They're still saying it because they know what it means. And it's not there's nothing hateful about it. And you're not saying anything hateful. You're not demeaning people by calling it the third world. That's just like what, how you describe a developing country. You can use those terms interchangeably. But the bottom line, there again, the woke term global south. Nobody is falling for this. Isn't that positive? I know. Uh, you, you do not come to this show to get positive news. You do not want to come to the show to be happy. You do not come to this show to see someone who, whose appearance is acceptable on normal media outlets. But what you do get here is good news today, and you're going to have to accept it. Now, illegal alien is another one. This is interesting. They, they tested illegal alien instead of illegal immigrant. Now, illegal immigrant, I think, is a more commonly used version of that. Illegal alien was... Uh, used at maybe more at one point. Um, I'm comfortably I'm fully comfortable with the illegal alien. We all know what it is. We're not, we, they're not actually aliens. We're not demeaning people coming across the border. The most important part of that is illegal. Alien was really the legal term for it. Immigrant is illegal immigrant. people don't some people on the right don't like that because you're acting as if immigrants are the same as illegal immigrants and it gets uh, sort of mixed up when you know people say, well, illegal immigrants, well actually you're if you're illegal, you're committing a crime, you're not actually immigrating, which is a sensible point. Illegal alien, 52% will still say it, 48% will not. I bring that one up mainly because that's kind of like the, you know, even a lot of conservatives will say illegal immigrant at this point. The Illegal alien is, is uh, you know, considerably uh, um, uh, to the unacceptable side for the New York Times, but a lot of people will st- still say illegal alien, more than half actually. Still in this country, illegal alien. Now, if you look at uh, the illegal alien split, an ideology, you see that, of course, it's Republicans uh, and evil conservatives who will say it most often. The least likely to say it is Gen Z, which we should always go for all of our truth. Just ask Gen Z, what do they think? And we'll ask them. Now, race is a fantastic one. What are the terms you're supposed to use for race? Well, you might say african American. You might say black. You might say BIPOC, which means what again? Uh, I don't even I don't remember what it means. Black indigenous person of color, I think. I don't, I don't even know. Um, so here are the terms. And again, think of Latinx. This is Latinx, as our president says, or Latinx. It is the least popular term on this list. Pair the top the most popular and the least popular. Hispanic. People will say Hispanic, 87% of people will say that. Latinx, that's 22%, the lowest number. Asian, people will say that. 81% are comfortable saying that. AAPI, which is the new substitute, uh, Asian American Pacific Islander, I think, is what it stands for. Only 27% will say that. African American, okay. Uh, 77% will say that. They're comfortable with that. Black is 75%. So again, like black, you'd say, Some people are uncomfortable with that term. Well, not many, only about a quarter of people. Latino or Latina, 70% are comfortable with that, and Asian American, 69%. So again, the terms that actually describe what you're talking about, not a bunch of uh, alphabet soup sort of uh, abbreviations, those terms are popular. The abbreviations, not so much. Again, this is where the woke nonsense actually is. It doesn't always feel this way, but it, this is where it actually is. Now, Democratic women are most likely to use the term African-American, um, and Republicans, generally speaking, are less likely, though the, the split is not very large, honestly, among these groups. The most fascinating part of this, though, is which group of people are most likely to want to use the term black? Which group of people is most likely to use the term Black. The answer. Blacks. They are the most likely group to have a connection and a, 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 a usage of the term black. Uh, <laughs> which is really incredible. Now, you'd see some other people kind of on the right that might use the term a little bit more often instead of African-American, as we discussed earlier. But it's actual black people. Who are most likely to use the term black. If they want, if they are asking for the term to be black, shouldn't we just go along with that? Another question. If they are asking to use the word Hispanic, shouldn't we just go along with that? Why are a bunch of white liberals trying to give you a bunch of new terms for these groups that the groups themselves don't even want? The good news from all of this is that we have this world where we see constantly the woke media is trying to push this nonsense on you, on your family, on your loved ones, on your friends, on your coworkers, And all of those groups are saying, you know what? Screw you. We're going to say what we want to say. We're going to say the words that we know because that's how language works. When you have a term that describes a situation or a group of people, you assign that word This is like really basic. You sign the word to have a meaning and that meaning describes that group of people or that thing. And if every two months you come up with a new term to describe that, then your language means nothing. And this is not a mistake. This is an attack against yet another foundation of our society. Language is a crucial foundation. If every word you say is constantly changing meanings, you have nothing. How do you communicate with people? How do you how do you figure the world out if you can't even describe it? This is not just some passing thing. This is central to the way the far left operates. They're constantly doing this, constantly trying to change the language and control the language. Because if you control the language, you control the argument. They know that. You know that. And I think even your annoying friends seem to know that, at least according to this poll. So, some good news here you're not woke. I'm not woke. And almost everyone you know is also not woke. Woke is losing.
0: It's true. Does America.
1: Yes, the new year is here. And whether you're making big changes or just settling back into a consistent routine, you're going to need to listen to some great podcasts. I don't know. Let me recommend one. This one. Okay, put your Raycons in and listen to some great wireless podcasts in your ears that aren't going to slip out every 10 seconds. Premium audio, the perfect price point. You got to go with Raycon. I just got myself some new Raycons. Why? Because I love them. I've worn them like crazy and they work every single time. They connect every single time. They stay in my ear every single time. They feel great. They fit great. They're just awesome. And they cost like, I don't know, half of some of these other brands, uh, they have eight hours of playtime, 32 hours of battery life. Uh, Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder that Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. You're going to love these things. rayconcom slash do B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N. Buyraycon.com slash stew. Get 15% off your Raycon order. Buyraycon.com slash stew. Get 15% off right now at buyraycon.com slash stew. The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government.
2: Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste.
1: You know, the border has been one of the biggest failures of the Obama and Biden administration. I was going to say I was going to correct myself and say Biden administration, but it was also a failure during the Obama administration. But it's been such a massive failure during the Biden administration. And it really hasn't been talked about all that much. The media is not really addressing it. They're not really covering it. It's a real problem. So let's bring in Jorge Ventura. He's a field reporter for Daily Caller. Uh, Jorge, uh, thanks for coming back on the program. And I, I, I appreciate your coverage. You're one of the few people who are actually looking at this situation. Before we get into the Biden part of this and how he's handling it, can you give me a sense as to what is the border like right now?
2: Yeah, it's actually a, a complete disaster. Um, I actually released the apprehension numbers in November. It was over 230,000 thousand migrant apprehensions. It was actually a record for the month of November. And it's it's been a complete mess too. And just almost every single border town, El Paso actually had to declare an emergency because uh, they were averaging between almost 3,000 crossings per day. I was actually on the Mexican side in Juarez and reporting. And uh, there was about 3,000 migrants were there waiting to get in when I I was there. I actually just left Yuma as well. Yuma County, the whole county, actually declared an emergency. Uh, There's actually a hospital on the border of Yuma with $20 million in unpaid services by dealing with migrants. Uh, I spend a lot of time in Eagle Pass, Texas. Eagle Pass is the deadliest crossing point in the whole Southern border. So Eagle Pass, they're actually averaging a death a day uh, from migrants drowning in the Rio Grande River. Um, actually still, I, I spoke to you um, earlier, um, actually late last year where um, in Eagle Pass, they were actually running out of bodies in their cemetery because they're burying so many migrant deceased bodies that they're actually running out of room in their cemeteries. Local officials actually had a call in the state of Texas to call in a, uh, basically an 18-wheeler as a basically a freezer trailer for these bodies now. Um, so it's been a kind of you know complete disaster. I just actually left Denver, Colorado. Denver, which is nowhere near the border, as um, actually on the brink of an emergency because since early December they've had three. 1,000 migrants bussed to Denver, just dropped off with nowhere to go, and now they're using homeless resources. So uh, it's been pretty interesting to see this develop, and now we're seeing major cities that are not nowhere near the border uh, completely fed up. And these are Democrat cities completely fed up with Joe Biden and the federal government for not stepping in and solving what they say is a federal government issue. Mm, That's
1: really incredible. And we've had different waves of this problem over the years. We've had sort of the normal everyday border crossings in large groups. We've had the unaccompanied minor crisis. We've also had this sort of asylum crisis where people are coming over, not even trying to hide. They're not even trying to avoid border agents. They're actually many times surrendering uh, and asking for asylum, uh, which is just a manipulation of the system. What is this current? Which one of these are we looking at or is it something completely new?
2: So what we're seeing right now, Stu, so is about 90 percent, I would say, of migrants are technically economic migrants. So they're coming to the U.S. for economic reasons, which means that they will not actually um, fall under the asylum claim. It's not political pr- uh, persecution. Now, that's where we're kind of in this huge mess, is that these migrants coming over. Um, when you read mainstream media, they call them asylum seekers. Well, they're not asylum seekers because they're, they're going to get denied their asylum because, there's no political persecution that they're uh, fleeing from. They're just economic migrants. But the issue here, Stu, is, is once that they're in the U.S., getting them out of the U.S. is very difficult. Many of these migrants, once they're in the U.S., we give them some type of court order. Sometimes that court order isn't uh, anywhere near uh, a date this year. It could be for another two to five years. And according to Border Patrol sources that I spoke with, only about 40% of the time those migrants even go to go to court. So this, this whole system that we have has been a, a complete failure. The other side of it is, The Godaways. So the Godaways are those are those individuals that come into the country. That Border Patrol is able to detect either through camera or, sur- or some type of t- technology on the border. But they're not able to apprehend because they don't have the manpower there. Uh, so the Godaway number is we're close to one million under uh, Biden and Harris. And the reason why the Godway number is a bit scary is because these individuals, the reason why they don't want to be processed by Border Patrol is because most likely they have already committed a criminal act in the United States. So they have either past criminal history. Many of them are actually sex crimes. Um The other side of it is they can actually be running drugs into the country. So working with some type of criminal group. So that's why they don't want to be apprehended. So from a national security point, it's been a complete failure Uh, from the fentanyl. And just that part has been a, a complete failure. We're seeing fentanyl killing Americans all over working class towns. And from the migrant standpoint, um, it's it's not even safe or humane this this whole thing because they've been ex- exploited by Mexican cartels. Many of them have actually been sexually assaulted by Mexican police as well. That's something that uh, I think Americans don't know is how involved the Mexican police is with the cartels. I've actually had these interviews um, with women. They they told this to me directly. So whether you're you're on the left or the right, this has been a complete failure. There's nothing humane about this. The the drug cartels are, are winning. They're making between I would say 14 million dollars a day just off human smuggling. I mean, what, there's, there's no point of, uh, there's not an angle of the story where, where the U.S. is winning and where we're making progress, and who's really suffering and seen on the front lines is these uh, Border Patrol agents.
1: Mm, yeah, it's really, really rough on them, not even just from the danger of, of dealing with cartels, but also just the emotional stress of, you know, as you mentioned, people dying in front of them, uh, people in, in, in the worst sorts of situations, um, and we are on the precipice of this getting much, much worse. Title 42 is out there. It's suppo- it was supposed to expire. Um, it, the Supreme Court, I guess, kept it in for some period of time. But this is a, you know, a, a Trump era uh, situation w- which that keeps, you know, is designed for COVID, right? To keep, which you know, certainly made a lot of sense when it was put in. Now we're past the pandemic, uh, for you know, in in most ways, as far as uh, that type of restriction makes sense. The Biden administration has held on to it sort of to to try to, I guess, do something at the border. But it's going to get overturned eventually. You can't make policy by just, you know, these things going on forever. Eventually, the courts are going to overturn this and the Biden administration wants to get rid of it. When that happens, we're going to see hundreds of thousands, if not millions more coming across the border. Are we at all prepared for this?
2: So that's going to be really interesting is the federal government knows that this is a basically a ticking time bomb. Um, I'm ex, I'm expecting Title 42 to be lifted sometime in spring. It could uh, might be lifted in uh, up to June. So we'll, we'll see there. But the Biden administration knows it's a ticking time bomb. Now, we'll see if they have a, a plan in place. We haven't seen anything yet. Uh, one thing that the Department of Homeland Security did say is they were expecting up to 14,000 illegal crossings per day. If this title 42 was lifted and they're expecting 5,000 just in uh, El Paso, Texas. So this is, this is going to be a disaster. Now look, title 42 is not the perfect solution. And border patrol agents know that Um, one one of the kind of the flaws of title 42 is that if a migrant is deported under title 42, it doesn't fall on the record. So meaning they could cross illegally again and we could deport them on title 42 again. And we wouldn't even know that this uh, migrant has already been deported. Mm. So when I speak with border patrol agents and say, look, the law is already on the books. You know, if you cross illegally, you get deported, you get detained, you go through the process. Uh, but under this administration, it's been catch and release, and that's really the, the, the big thing here, Stu, is that under Trump, you really had the deterrence under the Remain in Mexico. So for a migrant, for the thinking under Trump was, well, the journey isn't worth it because a, I'm putting myself in danger with cartels and human smugglers, and if I cross the border illegally then the Trump administration would just place you back in Mexico and in a border town. And you would have to wait in Mexico till your court case. So that's why under Trump, you didn't see the huge spike in, in, in illegal crossings the way we're seeing them under under Biden, because we had that deterrence now under this administration. That's the thing is we don't have any deterrence. That's why you um, now we've seen countless videos, right, of huge migrant waves coming over. They cross illegally and they wait for Border Patrol uh, to, to be processed. And one thing that the agents kind of mentioned to me is that the, now they feel essentially like uber drivers one one agent even said jorge i don't even do border enforcement what we do now is called border enrollment so it's just like i said it's been a complete failure border patrol agents morale is as low as it's ever been Um, a lot of them that i spoke to feel that um, president joe biden's uh, trip to to, uh, el paso was a complete waste of time and just kind of a photo opportunity did it really get to see the reality of the border crisis.
1: Mm, yeah, I want to talk about that because, I, you know, a lot of people, there were a lot of people on the right saying, I can't believe that Joe Biden never came to the border. Like, I'm not really one of them because I don't care if he goes to the border. I would like him to take care of the border and actually do his job on the border. His visit means nothing to me. But even when he did this visit, he didn't seem to go to the areas that were affected. We heard uh, stories and saw pictures of El Paso where they were cleaning up homeless, uh, you know, encampments of illegal immigrants to make it look nice uh, for Joe Biden's visit. Like, uh, like he's Kim Jong-un. This is what they do in North Korea when presidents come and visit. It's just it's unbelievable. Was there any good that came out of this big Joe Biden border vi- visit?
2: So nothing at all. So I actually uh, got to speak with, with a few locals from El Paso. And this is what they told me that the thing that angered them was They were hoping to have kind of a town hall style open forum with the president. They wanted to voice their concerns to the president and then just have that dialogue with him while he was there. That didn't happen at all. Joe Biden didn't meet with any locals from El Paso, didn't meet with any community members. Um, uh, Joe Biden even got to tour a migrant migrant processing center that didn't have any migrants, which is absolutely astonishing (laughs) because... Congressman Tony Gonzalez, who's a Republican, actually visited that same uh, migrant process center just a couple weeks ago, and there was 4,600 migrants in this process center, which was just a reminder when the capacity is just for 1,000 people. So 4,600 people basically sleeping on top of each other. Tony Gonzalez, the congressman, took video of this. He posted it on Twitter. And so what do you know? Three weeks later, the President Joe Biden comes and there's literally no migrants there. So he didn't see any migrants. He didn't meet with any town leaders. And the biggest thing was he toured a port of Entry, which um, just you know, just a little flashpoint for everyone no one is crossing illegally through a port of entry, it's all done in between the ports. So, I don't know what the point of, of that was, but when, I, but when I spoke with locals, too, the thing that they were really angry with, about was not having that open dialogue with the president. And I made this point several times, but from a political standpoint, it doesn't even make sense, dude, because these are his voters. I mean, these border towns are Democrat voters, so why not address your own voters' needs? Um, he absolutely won't. So this is, that's a part to me that just kind of doesn't make sense And this whole, this whole kind of story is these are his voters that have this concern. The mayor of El Paso is a Democrat. He's the one that declared an emergency. He's the one that needs a federal reimbursement. So this is getting really interesting uh, now that we're seeing the Democratic Party attack joe biden
1: on this issue mm, it's really fascinating do you think there's any plan here to deal with the next uh, couple of months as you know title 42 uh, probably gets overturned we're going to see a, a much larger influx of illegal
2: immigrants do you think there's any plan so we'll have to wait and see what, what's really getting interesting now is you know it's one thing when the republicans attack joe biden on immigration but right now he's actually getting attacked from Democrats as well. Mm. So Mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, and Mayor uh, Eric Adams of New York City, they actually wrote letters to the Democratic governor of Colorado, because Denver, because they couldn't handle the the migrant influx that they were getting, started busing migrants to New York and Chicago. So now we have Democratic leaders basically fighting over each other, over busing migrants. Um, California governor, who's obviously a Democrat, Gavin Newsom, he actually toured the the border last month and he actually even put out a video on Twitter saying that California couldn't handle the lifting of Title 42. So you even had Gavin Newsom, a Democrat, advocating for Title 42 to stay in place. Because here in California, where I'm from, all of our shelters are actually at capacity with migrants. So what I think, Stu, what's going to be interesting, I think, for the next couple of months is now the anger is coming from his own party. You know, it's one thing, like I said, when it comes from Greg Abbott. And the republicans but now it's coming from democratic mayors it's coming from democratic governors and right now in colorado which which i just left right just left denver you know they're about to spend three million dollars in taxpayer money and just sheltering migrants so they're urging Biden for some type of federal reimbursement. I think that's where things are going to get really interesting. I know right now the Republicans control the House. And, and you know, I'm getting asked if, if that might do something with the impeachment of Mallorcas. Look, I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Anything can happen in politics. But I think Biden is going to be feeling much more pressure from the left on this issue.
1: Mm, it's amazing. I mean, I think some of these border states, especially with Democrats there, kind of see this Title 42 thing as, as, as a get out of jail free card. They don't have to actually do anything about the border, but they avoid the worst consequences, they can blame Trump to their base and say, oh, we can't do anything about that. When that goes away, this is going to become a much, much bigger issue. Uh, Jorge Ventura, he's a field reporter for Daily Caller, got some great uh, documentaries you can watch as well on the border, on uh, the the cartels. You, you got to check this stuff out uh, and make sure to uh, see all the stuff uh, with Jorge on his Twitter as well. Jorge, thanks so much for coming on the program. Hey, thanks, sir. Are you a subscriber to Blaze TV? If you just said no out loud, what is wrong with you? Mm, I'm so disappointed in you. Yeah, that's true. Well, not really, but I would love for you to join. Um, And let me give you a potential reason to join. Tomorrow, uh, Off the Record, is a a new thing they just started this year. I think it was just this year, maybe late last year. Uh, And it's a cool thing where every every week, every two weeks, we have these Q&A sections with uh, Blaze TV subscribers only. You can ask kind of about anything. Um, You know, look, if you ask questions about the Philadelphia Eagles, am I going to pick your question? Yes, I am. I mean, let's let's be honest about it. Uh, But yes, you can ask really about anything. You can ask about politics, you can ask about food, you can ask about uh, you know questions where you know, I can tell you behind-the-scenes stuff that Glenn has done in his life that will get him arrested. Whatever really you want to know about. Blaze TV subscribers only, though. It's at blazetv.com slash stew. Now, if you go there, use the promo code stew. You'll save yourself 10 bucks. So we would encourage you to do that type of thing. But Wednesday... 12.30 p.m. Eastern, exclusive event for Blaze TV subscribers. I will be answering your questions, and make sure you join us and check it out. Again, subscribe, blazetv.com slash Stu. blazetv.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu.
0: sources tell CBS News the classified documents were discovered in this building okay. about a mile from the White House at the offices of the Penn Biden Center, Uh-oh. a foreign policy research institute set up after President Biden left the vice presidency. Uh-oh. According to a source familiar with the matter, the classified documents are small in number, small in number. and were found in November in a box Brown. among unclassified material. Oh, no. Sources would not characterize how sensitive the documents are. oh! Responding to requests from yeah. CBS News, The White House counsel said that on November 2nd of Mm -hmm. last year, before the midterm elections, lawyers for President Biden were cleaning out office space at the center. When they discovered the documents marked classified in a locked closet, they stopped the work and contacted the White House. Uh, White House (laughs) lawyers then reached out to the National Archives, which is responsible for the records. Mm -hmm. The Archives, in turn, contacted the Department of Justice. Attorney General Merrick Garland then tasked the U.S. attorney in Chicago, John Lausch, a Trump appointee with determining what is in the documents and how they arrived at the Penn Biden Center.
1: So you can see this storyline was pre-built by the Biden administration to hand to CBS News and other outlets so they can tell you the absolute best way this could possibly be true. Can you believe after all these months hearing about the Trump uh, documents, now we have to hear about the Biden documents. uh, That is, of course, a big part of this. I will say this. I told you when the Trump document thing was happening that, you know, to be honest, I really don't care that much about it. I really don't care if the president of the United States, Donald Trump, after he leaves office, has a few documents that maybe uh, are classified or whatever. He saw them all in the White House. He knows what's on the documents. That's the important part of a classified document, knowing what's on it. Having the document in your possession instead of uh, in a file somewhere, uh, there could be a reason why some future president or historian needs to look back and say, well, uh, look, this here's a letter uh, from Kim Jong-un to Donald Trump. That shouldn't be framed in his office. We should be able to see it. I don't know. Take a copy. I I really just, I told you before, I really don't care if Donald Trump has a few documents at his place. I kind of feel the same way about the Biden part of this. I don't really care if he had them. I think that's called consistency. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I didn't say that we should burn the house down and go crazy, uh, throwing Donald Trump in prison back then. I also am not going to say that we should do the same to Joe Biden now. It's really just, I mean, think about it for a minute. It's really just not that big a deal. Now, look. If there was some policy violated, these need to be held in a different place, fine, whatever. Like, okay, let's go through the process. Let's have him take a copy of it. If he wants to take a photo on his iPhone and then he can look at the the letter from Kim Jong-un or whatever Biden might have, fine, whatever. But let's not act like this is the biggest thing. They already saw the documents. And of course, the hypocrisy here is impossible to ignore. You notice in that CBS News, uh, a little uh, timeline there, that all this came to light before the midterm elections did you hear it before the midterm the midterm elections did you hear about it of course not now they wait till after the election to tell you all of this is going on and if anything this probably means you can't there will be no actual prosecution over uh, over this matter because what are you going to do you're going to go after both of them i know you're going to make your double standard argument oh biden isn't as bad he had fewer documents whatever It just, there's no way this connects with the American people. I will give you what uh, Joe Biden was saying about documents back only in September. But how how old were you back when he said this, you know, in September of 2022? You saw the
0: photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. What did you think to yourself? (gasps) Looking at that image. What could happen? Oh my God. How that could possibly... Happen. How could it How one, anyone could be that irresponsible? How
1: could anyone be that irresponsible?
0: And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? Mm, and by know. that I mean names of people who helped or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally
1: irresponsible. I love this art. like Because, you know, look, Donald Trump had all these documents with sources and and people's names. And they were just being given out as placemats at Mar-a-Lago. People, when they got their kids' menus, uh, also got to see all the documents of the spies around the country. Try to steal anything at Mar-a-Lago. See how easy it is. Go try to get a Jack and Coke for free. Tell me how easy that is. It's just so silly and nonsensical. Speaking of nonsensical... Stacey Abrams was on with Drew Barrymore, who has a show. And on that show, she was very, very giddy and excited to ask Stacey Abrams this question.
2: What's next? Are you gonna run again? Are you going? Like, are you do we get to look forward to this and galvanize <laughs> I, I, again? I I will likely run again. Yeah! I don't know. Why. I don't know. <laughs> So, are you going to go up against um, oh, some tough men who kind of don't always play fair? <laughs> uh, <good laughs> well, good if question, at first you Drew. don't
0: succeed, try, try again. And if it doesn't work, you try again.
1: I, I, I have never been more excited for anything in my life than Drew Barrymore was to hear that news. Of Stacey Abrams, a candidate who's done nothing but lose. Her entire career is a giant L. Why would anyone be excited? I mean, I'm excited she's going to run again because I want a Republican to be elected. So, yes, please run again. But I have never been that excited about anything. I watched the Eagles win the Super Bowl. I was like, ah, this is great. I was not that excited. So congratulations uh, to Stacey Abrams for yet another loss right around the corner. And Katie Porter is launching a bid for Dianne Feinstein's Senate seat. She will run in the 2024, uh, the primary leading up to the 2024 election. Porter has previously acknowledged that while she was considering a bid for what is expected to be an open Senate seat in California, uh, Feinstein hasn't said that she's retiring yet, but everyone kind of thinks she uh, will be soon because she can't you know, remember anything or do her job in any capacity. Um, I will admit something to you that I'm probably not supposed to admit. I... Don't know who Katie Porter is. I, I know a lot of politicians. That, I'm sh- she's a very prominent fundraiser. I've read up a little bit on it, but like, I don't really remember her from anything. Should I? You know, it's like, what, what movie have I seen them in? I don't know. I, maybe she's an episode of Law & Order. Is that what? I don't, I don't know why I would know her. The good thing is, I don't know who she is, and that's not great. But I will say the good thing is I don't think Diane Feinstein knows who she is either. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast. It's the most important thing you will ever do in your entire life. Also rate the show five stars because five stars is the appropriate number of stars. This one comes in. The show is awesome. Hey, Sue, love the show. Always. How about a little more Jeffy? I don't know that that's possible. I don't think there can be more Jeffy. I think he's as big as he's going to get. I mean, but, you know, He's tested those limits before, so we'll see. Uh, also, on YouTube, you can drop your comments below. And I mentioned yesterday that if you drop a comment below, an algorithmic engagement comment, it makes the algorithm robots go crazy and they will explode this show into prominence. Well, let's see if it's working. Helping you explode into prominence. (laughs) Thank you very much. Algorithmic engagement comment. Now blow up into prominence. (laughs) Okay, this is going to work. We just keep saying we're going to blow up and explode into prominence and it will happen. We also showed a clip of uh, Joe Biden yesterday saying something stupid. And Kamala Harris visibly behind him acting embarrassed. This comment came in. No matter how, decorum would say that you never show embarrassment of your boss, the POTUS, This is the second clip where it's evident Kamala is embarrassed. I wonder if someone is asking her to play it up to showcase his incompetence. I mean, she wants that gig, right? So she wants to show how this isn't me. These failures aren't me. That's him. And it's just embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for you. I'm embarrassed for him. I think that's where that's going. Also, we talked about Maxine Waters and whether she has an Instagram account. Uh, Maxine Waters and social media. Well, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, no big deal. Just pray to whatever God you worship. She isn't on OnlyFans. That might be the most disturbing thing on the entire internet today, so thank you for that comment.